0: Welcome to the 12 Days of Edition Wars. In this year's series, we are taking a deep dive into the things that we love about this game and talking about why we love them. On this, the fifth day of Edition Wars, my DM gave to me five gold. Oh, sorry. uh, Some books, some books. And those books are inspirational books or books we use for planning, but they are not official books. They are third party books. I am your host, Sam Dillon, and I am here with my lovely co-host, Brandis Stoddard. Sir, how are you this evening?
1: I'm well, thank you. I will just point out that here at age 41, I don't believe there has yet been a Christmas where I did not receive books. It would be strange.
0: Yeah, yeah. But has there been one where you've received five golden rings?
1: Um,
0: I'm, I'm, guessing, uh, I'm guessing no.
1: No, no. Uh, my, 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 my buddy Anatar gave me that one ring.
0: Mm, uh and i, I see. think
1: that would be enough the one i, I, I mean was very strange
0: it depends is it is it enough to rule them all
1: uh well he said it was <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have to see <laughs> and, and it has corrupted my will to dominate all of i'm saying too much
0: yes yes we should we should move on <laughs> so uh in the last episode we talked about official D and D books that we use as inspiration and and planning for whatever reason related to our gaming lives. And in this, this episode, we thought it might be fun to look at some really great unofficial books, like third-party books, books put out by other publishers, uh, that, uh, that we use as inspiration that we use for planning. And so Sir Brandis, What's the first book on your list? Because I know there's got to be more than one.
1: Well, right. Well, we'll go ahead and get the easy one out of the way. <laughs> Y'all, it's Azirian Zincaridine of the West Marches. <laughs> if you listen to our show at all this past year, you know. Yeah. It's fine. The book's amazing. Um, so I'm not going to say anything more about it. If you want to hear about it, we recorded a million, billion episodes earlier this year. book's great. Go listen to them. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Having said that, uh, so there there are still a lot of great candidates here. Um, and uh,
0: I have eight other books on my list. So okay, okay, okay.
1: So <laughs> I'm not sure I have eight that are locked and loaded because I'm mostly looking at just what's sitting on my shelf right in front of me, mm-hmm. which is not all of my books by a long shot. No, but, Um, you know,
0: but, but let's talk about that for a second, because that is actually one of the ways that a book becomes useful. Yeah. It's, it's a vicious. Literally fitting
1: on my shelf. it,
0: It has to fit on yourself. It has to be within reach. It has to be available to you because you might pull out a book to use it and you might think, oh, I wish I had such and such other book here, but you don't. Yeah. So you're not using it. You're using this one instead. And that makes this one ultimately more useful than the other one even though the other one might have something whatever but if it's not if it's not available then it's just not available so it's not it's not going to make the list if it's not available
1: so um so expedition retreat press released uh, a magical medieval society um, damn it that's on my list you're taking you're uh, poaching my books already (laughs) of course it is dude the book's a legend (laughs) Um, so I have Western Europe and uh, Ecology and Culture um, right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And those books are, are legends of, of the form, right? Um, yeah. they're, they're great sources. Um, I have
0: the third edition, a third printing, third edition. I don't know if they call it an edition. but uh,
1: Oh, I'm not sure what, which ones I've third. got.
0: The third one is a purple cover. Yeah, third edition, it says on,
1: on the front. Western
0: Europe, third edition. It is the best book ever
1: yeah so good um no i am a uh, I'm a fan of that. I don't pull it down as often as I should, but uh definitely it deserves uh, deserves some credit. It's great um, for
0: the planning stages of if you're setting up towns and and uh and specific trade routes and goods and stuff like that. It's really great reference
1: um so for my next one, I'm going to Go, Probably
0: also poach another book on my list. Yeah.
1: Uh go, I'm gonna go, go oddball. If I'm poach if this is on your list, then I will be surprised and also uh we're maybe a little more hive mindy than I thought.
0: Yeah, shock and all. <laughs>
1: uh I, I'm going just completely outside of the uh the, the, the Trad RPG space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Noblest second edition.
0: No, it's not on my list.
1: Okay. This is the, the prettiest role-playing game book maybe ever published. This is the big coffee table book mm-hmm, of Nobilis, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, And uh, I have borrowed and remixed and just written into my whole way of thinking uh, its various uh, like codes of uh, good and evil, heaven and hell, um and and so on uh, I, I just love that so much and um its whole way of like presenting a setting through marginalia that are in a certain sense also hard game rules because the setting is so weird that mm-hmm. you know the the language of flowers and such might as well be uh you know, ability scores in terms of how much it matters. Um, I just, I adore this book. Mm -hmm. Um, It's way up at the top of my shelf, so I have to reach to get it. But um, (laughs) like at this point, I'm drawing on impressions of what I read years ago, rather than necessarily going back to the the text itself each time, which Mm -hmm. doesn't mean Mm -hmm. I shouldn't go back to the text. I just am lazy. Um, So let's be real about that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but okay, like the the things about um, you know, heaven and hell and the wild mm-hmm. uh, made their way into Dust to Dust, the, the LARP that we ran, and also into Auracash, my longtime D and D setting, in big meaningful ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice.
1: So hit me with your first one.
0: Okay. My first one is also a classic in certain circles. And that is the Tome of Adventure Design. Okay. Which is a book by, uh, Matt Finch, who is the designer of swords and wizardry. Okay. And this book, uh, was published by frog God games a long time ago. It is now, it just did a Kickstarter a few months ago, uh, Matt Finch separated from Fog God Games and now is running his own publishing space. Uh his company is Mythmere Games. And so they just put a tome of adventure design uh through a second printing. Um, but this is a giant book of tables that is split into the various different ways or times when you would need it. So for example, um there are uh There's a whole, you know, 50 or 60 pages of locations, villain, villainous plans, villainous, uh, you know, guilds and organizations, um, and uh, and what their motivations are and, and just various tables and subtables and all sorts of different things. Then there's a section on monsters, which is another 50 or so pages, which has, you know, monsters by type and then strange ways to mutate your monsters or create new monsters and different things like that. And then there's a section on dungeon design. so. It, you know, has a little primer on, you know, the creative process and what you want out of a dungeon. And then it has like tables, pages and pages of tables with mysteries and clues and different map suggestions and tricks and traps and miscellaneous useful tables and just all sorts of, you know, another fit. You know, 100 pages almost of dungeon stuff. And then there's non dungeon adventure design. So there's, you know, tables for castles and ruins and cities and settlements and planar and alternate world type adventures. And, and just, it's just, you know, it's one of those books where, there is a method to it. So if you wanted to start at page one, you could actually go through and use the first 20 pages to set up the main thrust of what the campaign is, who's the villain and what's their motivation and why are they doing all these things? And what are the different events that occur during the course of the, you know, major, you know, plots and all that sort of stuff. Or you can just flop this thing open at any given page and roll some dice you know and come up with uh here's here's i just flipped it open to the capsule backstory page and if i roll some dice by let's just take a 55 as my answer i find out that this uh there is a mysterious sealed container uh that was uh brought here against orders or against tradition or against laws that's two different columns of a table And then other factors involved, there's a forgery involved, and that occurred 100 years ago. That's a four-column table that I just roll on. And what does it have to do? Well, I just opened it up randomly, so it doesn't really have anything to do with anything at this point. But there's a backstory seed that you've got, right? You now have a backstory just from flipping open one page. And this book is so useful like that, that it is absolutely amazing. I use it all the time. It has many different variations on its use. You can you can do go through this, as I said, page by page. You could just say, Oh, I need a villain. I just want to deal with a villain. So you just go to the right pages and you roll on two or three tables, and you suddenly have a villain. Or oh, I just need a new creature of some sort and I need it to be, you know, a planar creature. And you can go and create a whole new thing in like two seconds. It's just, it's, it's flipping amazing. And even if you don't really need something. You can just open it up and get some really good ideas and and it's useful. It's just imminently, imminently
1: useful. Nice. I am I'm not personally familiar with that one. But, well, it's it is the nature of things. My, that, it's
0: almost my favorite RPG book ever. Wow. Yeah.
1: It's just the nature of sort of. Uh, third-party content, that mm-hmm. actually tracking all of it is beyond all of us. Oh,
0: sure. Yeah, 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 yep, yeah. yeah. But I still have, like, seven other books on my
1: list. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I have more books on my list. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: What's your next one?
1: So um, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Legendary Dragons by Jetpack 7. Nice. Uh, <laughs> including uh, some dragons by... Uh, some, some of my good friends, uh, Dan Dillon and uh, James Hake. Uh, mm-hmm. Great work from them. Um, the the just weirdness and uniqueness of the dragons that are in this book is wonderful. Uh, you could easily hang campaigns off of just uh, the PCs, sort of dealing with the friction between these dragons. Right. And I, I love that idea. I love the the custom stats mm-hmm. for all these dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not all a hundred percent where I'd want them balance wise, but that's okay. I don't judge too much. Uh, yeah. I think they're still wonderful. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that book. Um, the art is also a, a big part of what I love so much about it. Uh, the the dragons in my setting are uh, are, are weird. Uh, they're all two color. Uh, and those okay. colors are usually uh, one chromatic and one metallic color. Nice. Okay. Um, Interesting. Because I'm specifically rejecting sort of good or evil by scale color. Right, right. Um, And so that's just a whole thing. Um, And so that, you know, since I'm already in all of my dragons are different from D&D dragons and Mm -hmm, that's just mm -hmm. how it is. Uh, Legendary dragons is very appealing to me and sparks lots of ideas.
0: Nice. Very cool. What's your next one? My next one is... So Tome of Adventure Design is like 300-something pages. And so I went smaller this time. Sure. But I have this set of two books that are called the D30 Companions. So there's a D30 DM Companion and a D30 Sandbox Companion, which are by uh, Richard LeBlanc. Okay. who His company is New Big Dragon Games. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first one, D30 DM Companion, is... Um, you'll be shocked. A bunch of charts and tables yeah. Yeah, yeah. that uh, you can use to very quick on the fly generate something as soon as your players go off uh, off of the beaten track and throw you for a loop and go into the area that you didn't have planned out yet. Um, and both of these are really great for dealing with that sort of thing. Uh, they both cover sort of different territory, but um, for example, uh, the D30 sandbox companion has a sage generator where you generate the area of expertise, the minor fields of study, uh, how much, uh, how likely it is they'll run into that person, what their actual um, specialties are. Uh, you can generate NPCs, settlements and supplies, you know how many city guards there are quick generation of heraldry um and just different stuff like that again mostly for ideas right i wouldn't necessarily open these up at the table although i have used one of them at the table but it's mostly for inspiration and and just being able to break through something where you just can't make a decision or you can't there's just something that's not complete about the thing that i'm working on and i just need a little bit of a bump to get me through that I open up one of these books, and and that's what it does for me. And it's, uh, I think it's available on DriveThruRPG RPG still, um, but you can also get get it in print from his website, I believe. Right on. What's your next? Uh, one?
1: So my next one, uh, I'm gonna have to go with uh, one I've been reading a lot lately, that just has some of the most incredible weird delightful energy of anything I have probably ever read. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's ultraviolet grasslands. Nice.
0: Nice.
1: Yep. Um, it There are things that it reminds me of, um, like in places it reminds me of um, over the edge and I, I adore over the edge, um, but it also reminds me of the, um, Mad Max: Fury Road, and it's doing that very intentionally. So much intentionality. Um, and you know, one of the one of the things about the book is that it is a setting and uh, an old school gaming system, right? Um, all in one book, mm-hmm. but everything is presented in um, tables and vignettes and adventure hooks. So there's just so much room to grab little bits and pieces, right? Nice. The, the, yeah. the whole thing is presented in little bite-sized pieces and the the writer um Luca Regic I I probably said his name wrong. I'm sorry. Sorry <laughs> Luca. You're great. You're amazing. Seriously amazing. Um has so much creative energy in even very short uh, table entries just absolute weirdness to the core mm-hmm. and it's so impressive um, you know you don't always want the the level of weirdness in this one entry but if you look down if few you're gonna find one that is just right for whatever you're doing uh, I, I just I'm really impressed with that text.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of good work that he's put out over the years. Always very interesting, always very creative, always taking a new sort of angle at something that has been almost done before but not quite and definitely not as well.
1: Yeah. Um, and there's also to me because it's something I'm reading right now, a lot of The sense of uh, uh, kill six billion demons Mm -hmm. in -hmm. there, and that is another just weirdness, straight to the max. Turn it up to 11, break off the knob, so weird, (laughs) and it's great. Just, yeah, just really enjoying it. Nice,
0: nice. Um, so my next one is put those two together. My next one is a book called into the wild, which is by Todd Lee back and published by, uh, third kingdom games. And it's basically a domain management source book. Okay. And it's technically speaking, it's written for OSE old school essentials. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really just a source book that you could use, uh, or any any fantasy game where you're doing any kind of domain management it's kind of a combination between the uh the the basic the beck me edition uh companion book stronghold rules and the um and the the magical medieval society with all of the uh the 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 trade routes and the and the different costing and also like the harm systems manner system <laughs> right yeah. it's like a combination of all three of those but more simplified so that it's okay, easy God. to use yeah so it's it it just it evokes like all three of those but in a way that is um super easy to read the layout is really clean it's got large text um i mean the book is still you know, 215 pages, but the whole, you know, the first third of it's about hex crawling, which I'm not talking about, but the rest of it is about, you know, how to, how to set up a domain management system, how to set up the towns, how to figure out, you know, how to use it in your game in a way that makes sense and not, it's not just an exercise in, Oh, let me roll some dice. And okay. Now I've determined something. It's more about making it useful for your game. And I appreciate that very much. It's a very nice very nice book.
1: Hmm.
0: What about you? What do you got for me?
1: Um well uh I have books that are right in that, okay, I'm waiting for the right project to start using this thing. <laughs> I haven't yeah. I haven't gotten to that project or campaign yet. But it's coming. I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> um and so uh, the, the fifth edition Book of fiends mm. um, is is in that space for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I like interesting new demons. Um, I accept that some of these will maybe not pass uh, let's say user safety with some of my players. that's okay because mm-hmm. there's a lot mm-hmm. more in here to draw from. I, I, right. I can discard mm-hmm. dozens and still have dozens more. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, Robert J Schwalbs uh Book of Fiends from Green Ronin is the text to my shelf. Um and, and certainly I've gotten so much use so much use out of um the, uh, the Tome of Beasts uh Tome of Beasts mm-hmm. 2 and the right. uh the Creature Codex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah yeah. Um it would just be churlish of me not to mention them at this point if mm-hmm. uh just been okay as a weird monster that's cool I need some stats cool right. let's go um <laughs> and and some of the movie had been like recurring problems.
0: Yeah I specifically did not um even think about monster books in this because it would be my whole list. Would oh people, for sure. Would be all the monster books that have given me inspiration over the years, right? Yep. Yeah.
1: That is that is super super fair. Um but just thinking about like tools I actually use at the table to draw on a few episodes ago, like the 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 couple of books are very strong for that.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. For sure. I I have I have a trio of three books. Yeah, bring um, it on. That I want to mention. Uh, and it's it's actually the series is is much longer it's many more books um but I don't care about those other ones because these three are so good okay um with a with a sort of hat tip to a, a fourth one and the three are uh, books they're called uh City works Dungeon craft and Wildscape
1: right okay and these you have told me about these
0: yeah these are um they're they were printed to their their d20 books right so they were printed by fantasy flight games in the early 2000s maybe let me let me check a year on one of these here um yeah so like 2002 2003 something like that and uh and and basically they are they are books that i mean just by the titles dungeon craft is all about creating dungeons and making them interesting and figuring out lore for them and making interesting maps. Uh city works is about creating cities and making them interesting and creating lore for the city and making it fun to adventure in. And of course wildscape is about creating wilderness uh, areas and making them interesting and fun. Um and the the thing is like these books aren't the best thing ever written about this, right? But they are so approachable. They are again some of those books where you can just flop it open to any page and you have uh you know a two-page spread of here's some information for you right um you want to know about swamps there's a swamp section you want to know about rivers there's a river section you want to know about mountains there's a mountain section right and and very approachable in terms of just getting the juices flowing and figuring out what you're doing
1: I mean that is definitely a Sam friendly text. Yeah. From all we have talked about over the years.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, because the thing is, like, I'm very, like, I go, I go for, I go and reach for the inspiration book when I'm stuck, right? Yeah. Not when I'm just starting and trying to figure out, oh, gee, what am I going to do? You know, it's more of a, okay, I had this plan that was starting to form and I don't know where to go from here. Now is when I need the inspiration. So I don't want something where I got to read 300 pages to get to the part I need, right? Right. I want to open it up and and help it have it help me get through that blockage, whatever that blockage is. Um this series of books, the, the it's the Legends and Lairs series. and there's like, let's see, two, four, six, eight, ten, yeah, there's like twenty books in this series. I mean, they published a crap ton of books. Um the hat tip one was the Seafarers' Handbook, which was okay, yep. uh, the same, you know, the same kind of book. Uh, has all kinds of, you know undersea stuff, ship construction, ship combat, seafaring campaigns, uh, kind of advice, right? And remember this was printed in you know two thousand two So you know, the latest that we had had be- before then was actually dmgr nine of ships in the sea, right? And so, you know, these books, these books were pretty timely for me just in terms of what I was doing in gaming at that time. So like, in, sure. like I, that's kind of why I mentioned, cause I'm not, um, the thing is, if you, would, if you ask me these three books, if they are like the best resource for this particular topic ever, I'd probably say, no, if you give me some time, I can find you the best resource. Right. But they're on my shelf and they're within easy reach. And I know they're highly approachable. So automatically they fit the bill for me. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, uh
1: that's certainly the necessary,
0: mm-hmm, right? Exactly. So, so what do you got? You got you have any more? I know you're you're at a limited shelf right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about what's at my other my other shelf. <laughs> um, like again, sort of leaving the D and D specific space. Mm-hmm. Uh. I can imagine uh, like a, being in a setting-building situation where there's absolutely nothing better I can do for myself than to crack open uh, Forbidden Lands. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm,
1: right. Uh, I'm very impressed with Forbidden Lands and what it does in being a purpose-built West Marches game. Right. Uh, and there's a lot to be said for being purpose built from day one to do this thing rather than mm-hmm. rules tweaks. Right. I'm a fan of rules tweaks, but you know it does take all kinds.
0: Right, right, right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean I I there is something to be said for purpose built stuff, for sure. Um the problem with it being purpose built is often it gets excluded from the mind of people who are, who are not playing that game. Yep. Right. Um, so you don't get, you don't end up with, Oh, here, this is a great, uh, this is a great inspirational book because people think you want them to play this other game, (laughs) right? Yeah. Or they, people don't know how to split it into, okay, that's game stuff, purpose built. Here's the inspirational part, right? Well, because right. they don't have any experience with the text. So,
1: and, and that's kind of what I hope to get to conversationally mm-hmm. by mentioning Noblis and Forbidden Lands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I know that there are going to be some listeners who hear that and say, well, just go play Noblis. Right. I, I have played Noblis. It's really hard to play noblest mm-hmm. um, getting a group for that is really hard it is a different kind of commitment and that mostly isn't supportable mm-hmm. um, and you know forbidden lands a game where you intentionally alter the map like so you can't easily start over right right. Uh, you know, that's kind of good and kind of bad. Like being in continuity with the previous campaign has a lot going for it. Uh, But. Right.
0: Well, and even if something isn't far away, like, right. Like I get lots of inspiration from Warhammer, right. Sure. Not not the minis game, but the actual RPG because of but I, I don't play that game and I don't play in that setting, but there's yeah. a lot of really cool ideas in there. Right. A lot of re- weird, evocative chaos based stuff. Yeah. I also get a lot of uh, inspiration from things like um, Hyperborea, right? Like the Astonishing swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. Uh-huh. It's a fantastic game. It's hard to get a group together that to, wants to play that game. Um, but it has some really interesting ideas in it about how, you know, classes come together and how, how that game flows and and whatnot. And it, and it bridges a lot between, you know, first edition and other editions of D and D and it's, it's very inspiring in certain ways. Um, but not in the way that I've been talking about inspiration for the most part, you know, in this episode, um, but I, I, you know, I also get inspiration from, you know, things like, um, uh, setting books that are really well done, right? Like, a uh, like city city settings that are really well done. Right. Oh, for um, sure. I get inspiration from Numenera. Um, not necessarily oh, oh. the mechanics or even the setting, but just the way that, especially the early books, when they would set up what they were trying to portray was a very sort of inspirational way to approach the issues that were happening, right. To to try to, to try to create that, that particular adventure or whatever. Right. I'm, I, I feel like I suddenly lost my ability to be eloquent and I'm I'm not really, (laughs) I'm I'm not saying the thing I, the way I want to say it, but um, uh, I played Numenera for a while and um, Uh it's probably, it's not my favorite system, but it did some really interesting things that caused me to think about some things in my other games you know, nice. so in that way, it was inspirational. But also, the way that the setting was laid out, and the way that the sort of uh, magic and technology were incorporated into um, like one one use consumable items was a very interesting way to deal with uh, the sort of uh, always having magic problem that that sometimes occurs in in RPGs and in certain adventures sure. and whatnot. Sure. Um, and so like just things like that. So I mean I get inspiration from a lot of different places, right? Like I get inspiration right. from Traveller all the time, the Traveller the RPG all the time and I use it right in my fantasy game, right? Not mm-hmm. high tech stuff but just, you know, the way that the way that certain games approach problems. Same thing with Over the Edge, right? Like there's so many good things to say about that game. Yeah. Right? And it's some of it is so good. It changes the way that I end up approaching certain problems in other
1: games. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I played the uh, 1992 edition of over the edge, Well, ran it. I never actually played it. Um, I ran it for many sessions and then um, have also run some of the 25th anniversary edition, um, I just really, really like uh, what uh, Jonathan Tweet and the other writers of, of each of those editions mm-hmm. brought to them. Um, right. Just so much uh, energy and approaching things from an angle that is not really how my brain works, but in a way that I can kind of get to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I find to be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, uh, when I need to sort of realign how I'm thinking about setting building and making sure that characters are central and driving the the, the action and the state of the world, I can't do a lot better than going and reading just the setting portion of 13th age. Now, I like 13th age uh, front to back, but the setting portion, emphasizes its icons in a really useful way that I think is really Mm -hmm. smart setting Mm -hmm. building. Right. Yeah. Like uh, there are this very limited list of extremely memorable, iconic, obviously figures who make everything happen. Uh, And I think that's just wonderful in, uh, you know, how you think about a setting. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I can honestly say that the function of icons was at the top of my mind when we were creating Dust to Dust. We just got to the same place, but I could be wrong about that. I don't remember exactly what the timeline was there. Um, It was a very, uh, Dust to Dust wound up being about its villains in uh, a way that, it was also what Glenn Cook does in the Black Company, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, the ten who were taken uh, from Glenn Cook are are lieutenants of the Most Foul, and then a few other villains beyond that to to round out their number. Uh, that is a very highly functional way to you know anchor a setting in motivations and action.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, So folks, here's the point. It's really hard to actually come up with a list of the most inspiring things because there's too much and it, it's too dependent on what you need inspiration or what type of inspiration you need at that moment.
1: Right. Absolutely true, um, and, and you know one of the one of the key takeaways that I think we should emphasize more than anything else is read widely, mm-hmm. read everything, yeah. yeah. You know, read yeah. through as many different mental lenses as you can manage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all going to just show up in your mind when you least expect right. it, right? Right, and that's good, actually.
0: Yeah and sometimes it doesn't even tell you right it yeah. just it just is there and it's only upon reflection later that you realize oh i bet i got that because of this thing xyz all
1: right yeah. um i think that is going to do it for me do you, do you have more you need to cover
0: um no i think uh one thing that we didn't talk about is video games
1: Oh geez, which oh geez,
0: I, I, yeah, I, I think can can wait because I know it would be a whole other episode. Um, oh yeah, I'll be here all day. <laughs> yeah, because because they are just so damn highly inspirational, right? Absolutely. Um, in in a, in a way that other things uh aren't, because you know RPGs fed into video games, which now are feeding back into RPGs, and now it's yep. a loop. Um, yep.
1: well, yeah. and, and and have done for a long time. Oh, right, right, yeah, It's sure. wonderful. Uh, yeah, right.
0: yeah, it's not a sudden thing, and yes, it's absolutely wonderful. So, but so I just wanted to let the audience know we purposefully sort of stayed away from that uh, because you know it's it's a different it's a different thing. So we're specifically trying to talk about you know books. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. So yeah. So so where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, you can find me uh, for the time being on Twitter uh, at Brenda Stoddard and in what I expect to be the longer term uh, on Mastodon at Brandis Stoddard at dice.camp. Um, you can find my writing on tribality.com and also Brandis Finally, I have a Patreon Brandis Stoddard where you can support my work for as little as $1 a month. I will be so grateful. Awesome. How about you, Sam?
0: Uh, you can find me on rpgmusings.com or on the little bird site right now at DM Samuel, and probably on Mastodon at some point in the very near future. And uh, on the Tome Show's Discord, if you want a link to that, then please just uh, shoot me a message and I will be happy to give you a link so that you can join in that conversation. Uh, as Jeff Griner likes to say, It has enough people that when a conversation gets going, there are many different voices, but not so many people that conversations fly by so fast that you can't jump in. So (laughs) other than that, I think that's going to be us saying goodbye. All right, then.